Oscar Poker. of earphone this time, I'm, and I have to go across, I'm going over to, um, to the cleaning guy at my home. Oh. Uh, oh, so you're not in your house? What I'm going to have to do is get a new, uh, I have to go over to, um, I'm over at the Le Pen Quotidian, so I have to oh. step outside and uh, let me hook up, let me, can you still hear me? Uh-huh. Can I didn't know you, you were going to Le Pen Quotidien today. I thought you were at home. Yeah, but a, a guy uh, came by to clean the place, and I, I have to get out of the way, so. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. So you can, so you can hear me okay, then? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, you're, you sound a little muffled, but I think it's fine. Um, well, I've got these uh, death skull headphones that have a little dangling thing and it sounds really good when I talk to people on the phone so mm-hmm. I got one of those little tiny uh, wireless ear things to talk on because I'm going to get a ticket sooner or later when I'm on when I'm driving right have you ever uh, been threatened with a ticket for that I've gotten a ticket for that <laughs> I just got one actually so uh, it was horrible the guy totally pulled me over and he was like you know, because it's true. I was talking on the phone, and, and right. he did drive by, and I didn't throw my phone across the seat like most people do. I just kept talking, and and um, he pulled me over, and he was like, he was like, you didn't even care. You just saw me, and you kept right on talking. <laughs> They'll give people a break. In other words, the people make an attempt to hide the fact. That I think so. Yeah, I think so. Because they consider it a kind of a pain in the ass, petty thing to give them a ticket for that. But that is the law, so. But I think he was, yeah. And I think he was mad that I didn't care. You know, I think he thought I was just saying, you know, fuck it, I don't care. And and so he decided to punish me for that. Okay. You know? Yeah. I would have offered to give him a blowjob, but, you know, he didn't ask, so. But, um, yeah, so yeah. now I've got this ticket. It's $190, so I have to pay. It. Oh, God. Mm. That's, not, that's not small. It's Sorry. not small, but it's not huge. You know, I thought it would, might be 400 or something. So, uh-huh. you know. Boy. So, uh, uh, so what can you tell me what you were? Uh, I saw from the photos that you were uh, at the Santa Barbara uh, event for the Virtuosos, which happened on Friday night. Right. 
I could right. see that you took pictures of that, but I did not see you at the uh, artist thing, although you obviously could have been. It's a big auditorium. Were you there? Mm, no, we didn't go. I, I actually got kind of sick. I got some sort of weird stomach bug on the last day, and so I couldn't even go out to do anything. And um, I just had to sort of ride it out and then come home. But I tried to cover it as much as I could from remotely, you know. Uh-huh. Um, did you did you go to wind up going to Ojai? No, I didn't even do that. Okay. I was just too ill. I couldn't do anything. I just was. I had thrown up, and I was just laying in bed, and packed up our stuff, and we left. You know. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's all right. So right now the Oscars are having their famous lunch, you know, where they all get together and they and they do their lunch. And I see Scott Feinberg and Ann Thompson are both there. Mm-hmm. I, um, and they're covering it. I remember last year, was it last year? They did the, uh, or maybe it was the year before. I don't remember. But they, they had the live feed where you could watch the luncheon. And they would have people talking. And, uh, um, you know, you get to see them line up for their photo and get their applause. And, you know, they're not doing that this year. So you just have to rely on the tweets. And, and nothing really exciting happens except that you'll get a lot of chatter from people like Ann Thompson and Scott Feinberg who will say Academy members said this and Academy members felt that and there was huge applause for the artist and huge applause for Jean Dujardin and Clooney got uh-huh. a huge response you know that mm-hmm. sort of thing mm-hmm. I've never actually tried to get into that I, I guess that means yeah. if you're covering they give you a table and you sit there like everybody well, you have to. yeah you have to apply I applied for credentials and I got them it's just that I didn't ever follow up to do it like I could have um, I I thought they were going to do the live feed this year, which is why I didn't. Knowing that they're not doing the live feed, I could have gotten in and and seen the luncheon. You know, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just all publicity. It's just a matter of how much you can stand, really. Mm-hmm. But if you apply for credentials, you get credentials for the luncheon, you get it for the announcement, and you can get it for the uh, the Oscars themselves if you want to sit in the press room, watch the Oscars, and then talk to the pe- winners after they win. But for me, the Academy Awards are such a horrendous event, especially in the last two years, that, you know, it's not like I want to sit there and celebrate them so much. You know what I mean? I know that that's a, a bad way of looking at it. I should be wanting to bring this information to my readers, you know, but it's not like it's, you know, I mean, I would like to have been back in the press room when Scorsese won, for instance, or the Collins, you know, but, you know, this year, uh, it's fine. Um. Give me one split second, Sasha. All right. May I please have a plain black coffee? And uh, I'm afraid I'm, I'm just not very hungry. Uh, yeah, I'd like to have something else. I just can't think of what it would be. Well, how about this coffee for now? Okay. Sorry. I'm in the back porch area of the, the Pancritidian. Yeah. Uh, but you were, no, come on, let's, let's, let's be uh, uh, precise about this. Uh, you, you you felt, uh, of course, alienated from the process last year, as I did. And, of course, uh, there's there's ample reason to feel uh, no, no, less uh, less excited this year also because of the, uh, well, because of, you know, being a relatively weak year, but also because of the uh, ascendancy of the artist, which I feel is, you know, we both feel it's, it's, it's not, it just doesn't seem to be appropriate with how, with what it is, you know, it's just not a, 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 a wonderful film. It's a nice film. That's all, you know. I just yeah. don't understand. But I'll tell you what happened. The strangest thing happened. I re- I wrote about this. I was extremely charmed 
really, really genuinely charmed by uh, um, Jean Dujardin and Berenice Bejo at the um, thing on Saturday. I found I found myself really liking them. How could you not? They're so. I know. I, I had the same thing happen. Yeah. I went to the press junket at the Four Seasons, and Dujardin walked in, and he yeah. walked out, and it just felt like you know. I don't know. I can't even tell you what it, you could feel the force field of him and his charm and his energy and and her, and her too. I mean, when you have French people in the Oscar race, they're not used to that. You know, they're not used to this this dog and pony show, and so they're giving yeah. you a, an honest uh, reflection of who they are. It's really something to to spend time with them. You know, I got this vibe from them as I was saying in the column that I <clears throat> listen. We are Europeans. We have a life over there. We liked our movie. This is what we did. But you know, this is just a game, right? You know, we have fun. I guess I know they're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> they're so funny. Like when when Jean Dujardin came into our thing, he was just joking around and like honking the microphones with his hand and laughing. And you know, yeah. he's silly, but he is also quite um, um, a deep and um, interesting human being. As you know, as right. they all are on this movie. Right. And I don't think that any of them ever thought Oscar. You know, when they yeah. made it, they didn't. And you know, Weinstein saw it's what kind of magic it had in, in Cannes, and he took it and ran with it. But it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like um, it was the King's Speech or anything. It wasn't an Oscar mo- movie grown from from the ground yeah. up. It, it wasn't. It never was that. So, you know, to them, it's silly. It's all silly. I, lo- <laughs> I love that about them. That's why when you saw um, Michelle has an vicious get up on stage at the Critics' Choice and accept his director award. He just uh-huh. looked—he just looked aghast. <laughs> he looked like after they did that Scorsese tribute and all those directors, he just looked around. He was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You're giving me the director prize?" <laughs> you know, I, you know, of all the things that they are, they're not—they have yeah. no ego. These guys. I mean, they're really wonderful that way. They don't take themselves seriously. They're totally unpretentious and. You know, they're, I think they're surprised and they're happy that, that it's done as well as it has done. But um, but it's not as serious. It's not as drop-dead serious as, as a lot of producers here yeah. take the Oscar race, you know. Right. That's what I like about them. And that's why I can't begrudge them their win. It's If any other movie had come along like that had uh, the right ingredients to win, it would have creamed the artist. The artist mm-hmm. wouldn't have had a chance last year. With mm-hmm. all those movies. If it had been up against the social network, the social network would have creamed the artist, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this year, it's just so weak, and, and, and a lot of the great movies that came out aren't being acknowledged by the Academy. So that yeah. there is no it's really contest. It's really that they're not being acknowledged as opposed right. to weakness. I mean, if you're talking, uh, you know, Tree of Life, Moneyball, uh, I just think that... The, you know, there are five strong there. ones, five strong films in the race. The other ones are total discards. If they yeah. were going to add in extra movies, they should have picked maybe Drive. They should have picked um, uh, uh, Melancholia, and they should have picked Dragon Tattoo. And then you would have an Oscar race, and then you would have mm-hmm. some really interesting movement. But right now, you've just got sappy, 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 sentimental, sappy, 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 all the way down the line, and and it's just makes for a very lackluster year, unfortunately. Hey, but, by the way, do you have um, traffic? Outside your, are you indoors or are you slightly outdoors today? As no. We speak? Okay. Why do you hear traffic? Or? I guess it's my end. Uh, maybe because I've got headphones on, uh, shutting out the noise. Maybe I'm hearing what is in my microphone here. Maybe that's it. That's it. it's no big deal. You know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
By the way, I, um, I also want to say that they did, of course, the, a short reel of their other films together. I think they've done at least two others, one of them being the OSS Nest of Spies, James Bond spoof. And I was uh, reminded, because I saw that a pretty long while ago. I think it was, um, could have been as long ago as 08, maybe, possibly even 07 at the Seattle Film Festival. Mm-hmm. But that, I'm telling you, Sasha, that movie, the, the writing and the just the charm of it, it is really genuinely more and more entertaining and more enjoyable for me than the artist was. Uh, I mean, again, I'm fine with the artist, but it, it's just this was a lot of fun. I really had a good time with it. If you're going to have give an Oscar to something because it's pleasing, because you like it, because it's you know, because it has a vibe that you like. I was really taken with the with the writing and the uh, and the and the performances. His the tone was just right. They didn't overdo it. They played right. it uh, as if Sean Connery was playing James Bond in a kind of a semi-spoofing way. He's very very good at that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I just thought much more, um, and, and, you know, just just really hit the spot for me. So I'm going to go find that or or rent it or buy it or something because I really like that little film. You didn't see it, huh? Mm-mm. No, okay. but I, I I admire the artist. I really do. I think it's a very good film. I don't, you know, for our purposes, what we have to do is we, you know, after coming down off of last year's, which was so exciting, right. it was it was depressing in a lot of ways, but it was exciting. You know, there were surprises and twists and turns, and there were some really great movies in the race and great things right. to talk about and themes to dig into. You know, this year... Not so much. Everything is so on the nose. Everything is so uh, literal. There are yeah. no, like, really... A Tree of Life is the only movie in the race that is that you can kind of dig in that way. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah. just... It's, so it's hard for us to write about the Oscars, simply put, you know, because there's nothing to write about. <laughs> sure. Right. Except how boring it is. But, you know, um, I don't know. It, the problem with the artist is that is that they're... The divisive vote will be split up amongst three movies, Hugo, The Descendants, and Moneyball. And there's not yeah. one of those movies that can rally the kind of support that the artist has. Mm-hmm. I actually tracked it. You know, I looked at um, the Best Actor race, and I looked at when they changed the date. They went When I first started doing this, the Oscars were held in March. And there was yeah. like a, there was like a month lag time between Oscar not between the movies coming out and being released to people, the pre awards, the Guild Awards like the SAGs and the Golden Globes, and then there was like a long lag time where people had time to really think things through, and that's when you saw differences between the voting bodies. Like if you look at the Best Actor chart, Best Actor at the SAG matches Best Actor at the Oscars all the way until you see where they change the date. And then you start seeing differences. But the last, you know, it was 203 is when they changed it. And since mm-hmm. then, the race is just basically predictable because everybody's voting all at the same time. And so you have this, like, Titanic effect of, like, Titanic moving along the ocean, and it's, there's just not enough time for it to turn before it hits the iceberg. That's sort of what the Oscar race is like. It's like there's just not enough time for people to start rallying around a different film. So that's why it always just goes as expected, you know. Even Chicago, which, which split with the with um, the, the pianist, that was back in '02. You know, so there was time for that to happen. There's just no time like that anymore. 
Do you want to uh, do a rundown of what we think is probably going to win since we have sure. nothing to Sure, but I also think, I do think that Martin Scorsese could, could surprise or Terrence Malick could surprise in director. I do have a feeling that that might happen. I mean, I think it's the, the, the safe bet is Hazen Vicious, but I, I really do see a, a split. And I can explain to you why if you want, but... Uh, why don't we go through the I'd categories? love to hear why you think that. I think that's great. Uh, why do All you right. think that that has changed or is Well, I mean, for me, changing. it's so silly, but I always I always have to build charts. Why, why is that situation? Uh, okay, I'll tell you why. Can you hear me? Hello? I can. It's a little spotty, but I can hear you. Okay. Um, the, uh, the reason is that not since 1968 has a film won the Golden Globe and then gone on to win Best Picture and Director at the Oscars. And mus it's, it's the fact that it's a musical comedy. For some reason, it just has never happened. So you have Shakespeare in Love, Chicago, Driving Miss Daisy, all won Best Picture without winning Director, right? So mm -hmm. and it's not just that. I feel like uh, if Hazen if Vicious wins and the artist wins Best Picture, it'll be the first time since 1968 that happened. Obviously, these kind of things happen all the time. It's not a hard and fast rule. It's just interesting to note. But I feel like there's, um, you know, Scorsese won the Globe for director. Uh, and yes, Hazanovicius won the DGA. But that only means that the artist is probably going to win Best Picture. It doesn't mean that, that he's necessarily going to win Best Director. Mm -hmm. I just, so that's my reasoning behind it. But I also think that, that it will split. I'm just okay. guessing. I don't know for sure. The safe bet okay. is Hazanovicius, of course. So Yeah. So we know what best picture is going to be. We know it's, uh, we're, we're, it's most likely going to be Hasan Avicius. Uh, and actor, that is not really, uh, that seems to be uh, Dujardin, because he's so, I guess, because he's really good at, at charming people on a one-on-one -on -one basis. That's all I can it, figure. It's partly that. It's also his performance and the fact that he, a, an unknown actor at the SAG Awards, which is a hundred, about 100,000 voters, beat George Clooney and Brad Pitt. That tells you a lot about how they feel about his performance. You know, <clears throat> I was arguing on uh, Facebook with Ann Thompson and a couple other people. Thelma Adams is working on a, a roundtable about Best Actor, and we were talking about it. And, and Ann was saying that there's still a lot of support for Clooney, and, and, and Chris Tapley was saying there's still a lot of support for Pitt. And, yeah, that's true. But, come on, you can't ignore the fact that all those people at the SAG voted for him. I mean, that's huge. When 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 um, Roberto Benigni won Best Actor Oscar, he first won the SAG Award, you know. So it's like well, yeah, yeah but Sasha, come on. And um, he cried. It and can't he's just charming. be because he's charming personally. There's got to be something more than just that. And there's there no, just his, isn't uh, a I, lot of heft to that performance. No, it's seriously, really... I don't. No, I think there is a lot of heft. I, I can argue with you about his performance too, just as easily. Um, I think that. Uh, he he had the hardest performance of all of them because he had to carry the whole thing on his um, shoulders. You know, he carries the whole film much the same way that, um, in a less dramatic way, but much the same way Adrian Brody carried the pianist. I mean, the artist succeeds because of Jean Dujardin's acting. It would not be a great movie without it. So. If you I frankly was much more charmed by him on the stage in Santa Barbara than I was. <clears throat> by him, uh, by his performance in The Artist. It was, once you figured out what he was doing, which is that he was playing the broadest manifestation as, as possible in each given scene, given that he obviously you have to be broad when it's silent because you have to, you know, 
be very explicit and very vivid in your in your facial emotions and your body language. Once you figure out that's what he was doing, okay, man, just just be as broad as fucking possible. Turn on the charm. Smile all the time when you're in bad straits. Look, you know, hold your head and you know, weep if you will, uh, or play with a dog. But it's all broad, man. There's oh, I don't think so. I disagree. I think he was so subtle. I mean. When I think of the artist, I think of his face, and I think of the scenes where he's watching her, and he has this kind of melancholy on his face, and, you, you know, you, you have to sort of search for what he might be feeling, um, and he, he, you know, when he's, he's in his apartment, and, and he's all broke and poor, and his driver is there, the way he looks at his driver and communicates that feeling, I mean... He runs the gamut, man. He doesn't just mug it up. He, he can also play. Yes, he does. He's just mugging it up. I don't think he, so. I disagree. He's a very good mugger, but he's just mugging it up, and there's mm -hmm. nothing of any varying uh, intensity. There's no interesting oh. shades. There's no subtleties. It's very, very on the nose. Everything he does, you know. Well, okay. I, I, I accept that that's how you felt about it. I, I didn't. I mean, I felt that he could have gone that way, and he didn't, and I think it's to that end it is one of the most... I, I mean, I, I can't even say I think that the other guys deserve it more than Dujardin. I, you know, I, I liked, I think, George Clooney, for what George Clooney has done in the past, gave his best performance in The Descendants and is amazingly stripped down and raw and incredible. And Brad Pitt is great in Moneyball. Billy Bean is the best character of the year, male character. Yeah. Most admirable. You want to talk just pure performance, how about Gary Oldman and um, Damien Bashir? I mean, both yeah. of them are amazing, too. Damien Bashir, I mean, he gives the most moving performance of all of them, for sure, to me. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but Dujardin's got it in the bag. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way. That's why it was so making me laugh when Ann Thompson was saying that. It's like if happening. he wins the SAG Award, where, where the only time they're ever going to deviate from Oscars when they pick somebody really popular, like George Clooney, that they didn't pick Clooney and they picked him, a total unknown. That's like when Slumdog won the Ensemble Award. You know, it's like, oh, my God. That shows how much they love him. That's really, really significant. It's not something to just. Getting little, I'm getting really sick of hearing about people loving people. Okay, all right, all right, no, but I'm that's the about how wonderful it all is. I'm I really know. Getting sick. I don't think it is wonderful either. I wish I could find something horrible to say about the artist. I do. I wish I could find something not horrible. horrible. I'm just, it just they love him. They love him. I, I just, you know, it's, it's like there's another species out there that doesn't that sees movies in a different way, and I'm just. I'm, just astonished. That well, it, that Jeff, it, that it I know, but this is something to celebrate, not just something to lament. I mean, you have to celebrate the fact that you have unique taste and that you don't go along with these people. Because if you did, what would that make you? That would make you one of these awful, boring um, Oscar voters, you know? And they're and they're a majority vote, so it's it's always going to be the lowest common denominator. You know, it's not going to be any one person's distinctive taste. It just can't be. Yeah. So the best actress, uh, what's going on there? Is, uh, is, uh, yeah, I know that you want Viola, but really, really, stepping back, two steps, three steps, it's still her, or what do you think? I think that it could still be Meryl Streep. Yeah, I do. I think that, that the Weinsteins are hitting it hard, man. They are hitting it. She was on Fresh Air yesterday on NPR, and she was on 60 Minutes last night. Oh, I didn't see that. Really? Yeah. Uh, um, how was that? Did you see it? Or I don't want to watch it. No, I don't want to watch it. I can't watch the... I can only take so much of the Weinstein puppeteering. I can only take so much of it, you know. At, at some point, yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to defer to them. I'll bow down to them the way that the chimps do in Rise of the Planet of the Apes and, like, pat their palm <laughs> and say, okay, fine, obedience, obedience. But I can't sit there and watch it, 
You know, it's, it's, it bothers me. I hope Viola, da- Viola Davis wins. It, nothing would make me happier. The fact that she won the SAG is a really good harbinger that she could win the Oscar. I'm not holding my breath. I think they'll still go, you know, Whitey all the way down the line, except for Octavia Spencer. They'll throw her a bone in supporting. So, so you think that they're amongst many people in the Academy... They're thinking uh, she's dark-skinned, so I'm not sure I want to vote for her. People are actually doing that? No, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're saying they like Meryl Streep more. To me, it would be an easy call, especially after Sandra Bullock winning last year. I mean, it's so frustrating. I I can't even talk about it without getting frustrated. So, If I were, um, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty convinced, fairly convinced. I just don't see how they can. I think that would be a kind of a, a reverting uh, position, uh, a default position that's too familiar and too uh, too verified over the years. I think that this is a, a, a Viola Davis here. Uh, I hope I, so. I, I would be very surprised if she didn't win. So. I also don't think, you know, just performance-wise, I thought Meryl Streep was great, but I don't think she's the best of the five. And I don't think it's her best performance either. You know, I really okay. don't. She's given much better. It's not even in her top five best performances. I mean, it's great, sure. But look, the, the woman could do that with her eyes closed. I'm telling you, it's, it's nothing to her to turn in a performance like that. Nothing. That's not fair to, that's not fair to uh, diminish the value of a performance if she is, happens to be very good at doing that sort of thing. I thought her old Maggie stuff was fantastic. I, I, I did, really too. Did. I thought so, too. But the, the huge problem with... Um, with the Iron Lady is that they never take a side. They want us to just feel sorry. Well, we've talked about this already. We've yeah. covered this yeah. in a different podcast, so there's no point in going over it again. But, you know, if she wins, I'll be fine with that. I'll celebrate her and I'll applaud her for her whole career and all the great things, performances she's turned in. It doesn't even have to just be this performance because if she wins for this, she's going to be winning for her career. And she's had a great career and she's had a lot of great opportunities. She's lucky. You know. The reason I asked about 60 Minutes last night is because having interviewed her, having listened to her in Q&As, she's one of the more interesting and, and really uh, very, very uh, sensitive and alive person to all sorts of things. She never gives what I would judge to be a, a, an auto-response answer. She always seems to be pulling something fresh. Yeah. From deep within her, right at that moment, she doesn't right. seem that, or she's very good acting at pre, at pretending to do that. But either way, she's uh, she's really a good interview. So, she is really a great good. interview, and she's an incredibly well-rounded, intelligent person. She just is. She's had a long life, you know. She mm-hmm. she's had many many stages throughout her life, and I know her career and her life very well because I'm actually a big fan, believe it or not. Yeah. But. Um, but I yeah. think that, that the fact that she even wants Viola Davis to win this year is significant and should not be ignored. Did she, did she say it on 60 Minutes she's, or something? She's been, or? Her, she's been her biggest champion from the beginning. And, you know, every time you see Viola Davis win, there's nobody in the audience happier than Meryl Streep. You know, right. she was crying when she won the Critics' Choice and at the mm-hmm. SAG. Viola Davis, when she paid tribute to Meryl Streep, you know, first paying tribute to Cicely Tyson and then paying tribute to Meryl Streep, which was such a gracious way to give a speech. And uh, she, they cut to Meryl Streep and she says, she, she lipped, you know, I love you, baby. Like, she loved, you know, it's just, 
a nice thing to see, you know, and I feel like, you know, kick the door fucking open, you know, let, let people like Viola Davis get better roles and better opportunities to give those kind of performances, you know, let's, let's fucking shake this shit up, man. Did you see, years. by the way, that she has uh, agreed to do two more, two brand new roles that was in the trades? She's got two films coming up now. I didn't see that, no. I didn't see, but great. Well, someone was mentioning this, and I kind of agreed with it, but I think that what she needs to do to broaden her palate, to deepen her range... Bleach her skin? uh, No, she has to play a woman in love with somebody in in an affair. Great. So let's see those scripts handed to Viola Davis. Let's see one studio take a chance like that. Let's just see that happen. I would love to see that happen. Be it, be it with another man uh, from her into the corner or, or uh, with a, uh, interracial, anything. Just something that involves passion uh, and sex and, and, and emotional risk in that realm, you know, intimacy. I'd like to see her. I bet she would be killer in that kind of thing. And, but she never seems to do that. She, te- she seems to take seems roles. Seems to? Outside that realm. If you're in prison and they're serving you shit for dinner... And people say, you know, you should really try some filet mignon. It's really, really good. And you say, yeah, I'd love to try filet mignon. But guess what? Guess what I'm getting served for dinner? Macaroni and cheese. (laughs) (laughs) She, I'm sure nobody would be happier than Viola Davis to get those kind of scripts. She takes. Now, why did you you allude to the two a role involving uh, sexuality and emotional love affair as a risk? Why did you say that? I don't think it's a risk. I don't think she gets offered those kind of roles. Period. But you did use the word risk. If Hollywood wants to take the risk, that kind of risk, that would be great, you said. You yeah. mean that it would be risky for a woman, of uh, African-American woman, to be in a love affair movie? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, why do you think For that? an African-American I'll, I'll woman who isn't Halle Berry to be in any movie is a risk. <laughs> any movie that isn't like the typical roles that, that are, they're cast as. You know, the help is, as, you know, as... Uh, whatever you want to call it, racist or cliched or stereotyped as it is, that was the one movie that came along that, that was mainstream Hollywood studio film that actually had leading roles for black women. Okay. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And, of course, they had to play maids. It doesn't happen. And, and they won't even put um, a black woman on the cover of a, of a major magazine because it won't sell. That's why the, the Vanity Fair, they always have to scuttle them off into the second page, you know. They don't sell. The only black woman who can sell magazines really is Oprah. So that's the and look at primetime TV. Look at the SAG Awards. Look at the TV SAG Awards. How many African Americans were even nominated for those roles? HBO. You know, the, there was The Wire. There was um, Treme. Both, you know, The Wire's gone. Didn't even get acknowledged by the Emmys. Treme totally shut out. I just realized what the perfect Viola Davis movie is going to be. I just it just hit me. In the middle of that sentence, you were just talking. Yeah. You want to hear? Okay. Uh, we were saying you were saying that basically she's she's uh, definitely uh, a go-to for playing interesting, soulful maids, right? Yeah. Domestic. Okay, that's one thing she she could definitely do. There's a there's a Gerard Depardieu film that I saw about 10, 12 years ago, maybe more than 12 years ago, maybe more like 15 or 20, and it's about a successful middle-aged, well early 40-ish, well-to-do, middle-class guy in the suburbs with a beautiful wife, played by Carol Lohr, and he falls in love with a Spanish maid who's a little bit dumpy and overweight. Too beautiful for you. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and it was fascinating because I love that movie. He was in love with her with her poetry, with her with yeah. his whole Check he wasn't it out. he wasn't going for the looks and the hotness. He was going for the whatever that else, something else, X Factor. I know. If if Viola Davis were a, a domestic and uh, uh, an older guy like say maybe Brad Pitt or something falls in love with it, that would be fascinating. Yeah, I would she wouldn't get that, that part. So They'd give it to you know, it would go to like uh uh, it'll go to Halle Berry or it'll go to... Um, Penelope Cruz or something. Penelope yeah. Cruz or something. I mean, America, we're, we're embarrassing. We're so embarrassing. I can't even begin. I mean, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen in other countries. But but in our country, yeah, you, you know, it's going to be... It's going to be some, you know, prettied up. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching as good as it gets yesterday. And it's like, I love that movie. I really do. I yeah. love the acting and it's great. But it was so funny because um, Jack Nicholson is... You know, his love interest is Helen Hunt, and, and there's one part where Helen Hunt's mom comes out of her apartment to, to yell at Jack Nicholson. It's like, Jack Nicholson and the mom are the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Shirley and, Knight, yeah. You know, they're the ones that, that really, you know, seem like they would be the right couple. But, of course, it's so awkward because the mom has to go in, and then we have to start re-believing again. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, he likes the, the younger girl, of course, because that's how it mm-hmm. works. And, you know, it's just Hollywood. They would never have cast sure you know they would never cast that woman in that part and you know they get we give the people what they want here we give we, everything has to appeal to 13 year old boys and if it doesn't it's not going to get made you know and we don't have we don't have them st- you know the, the the movie studio's job is to make money they don't care about fixing our hideous culture you know yeah so yeah. you know we're, we're we're up we're you know we're in we're in shitsville <laughs> well, I just came up with a good idea for a column anyway, to, to, to remake Too Beautiful for You with Viola Davis and somebody. That would be well, some, it would Well, it would be better if Octavia Spencer was in Too Beautiful for You. or uh, Okay, that, that would be cool, too. Because Viola actually, Davis oh. is built like a brick shithouse. I mean, she's got a great body. She's, you know, thin and trim and beautiful. She's not, you know, God, give her a... The idea isn't that the domestic who has the affair with the, with the husband, it, it's, it's not that she's not attractive, it's that she's not... Uh, as attractive as the wife. That's the key thing. Or not as conventionally desirable as the wife. That's what the, uh, that's what the idea is. In other words, it's the, the husband is responding to, to an undefinable or hard-to-see element in her. That's what makes it interesting that he, uh, you know, because usually it's the uh, somewhat getting older wife who's lost her looks or losing her looks and the husband goes off with a hottie uh, outside the marriage. That's, they're flipping that. So that's the cool idea with that movie. Right. Yeah. I would love to see that too, but of course, you know, they make these movies and then no one comes to see them and they don't make money, so then they don't get made again. And, you know, but we're uh, better people for having made it and having, some of us having seen it. it absolutely. Is yeah. Now, getting back to the predictions, uh, if we could, uh, supporting actors, of course, Plummer, there's no... Uh, uh, dispute about that. I, I would be delighted if uh, Moneyball got one thing by way of Jonah Hill, but that's not going to happen. And right, it's just going to be plumber, 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 plumber. Nobody's ever. No, I think it. Max von Sydow has a good chance of upsetting Christopher Plummer. Believe it or not, I do. And I think the reason is that he's got a Best Picture nomination behind him, and Plummer doesn't. So that's a possibility. I think Plummer's still your front runner, but I'd watch out for von Sydow. He's fucking Max von Sydow. You know, I mean, he's a big deal. Bergman. Woody Allen. I mean, he's been around forever, and he's that Best Picture uh, nomination that you're referring to for extremely loud and incredibly close is regarded by most people out there as a bit of a stretch. 
So it's not exactly like it's a strong best picture. Well, everybody nothing. thought the same thing about the blind side, and that automatically gave Sandra Bullock the edge over Meryl Streep, whose Julia Julia didn't get in for best picture. Right. And okay. the, that's another argument for Viola Davis. You know, four nominations for The Help, including best picture versus The Iron Lady, one nomination for Meryl Streep, one nomination for makeup. You know, it's like the, the ones that have the best picture always, almost always, not always, take you know, precedence over the ones that don't. But I still think Christopher Plummer's performance on its own, plus his legendary status, plus the fact that he's never won, yeah. ha works in his favor. He's also just given the, the better performance of the two. Yeah. Poncito doesn't have a lot of screen time, you know? Yep, right. But, you know, everybody thought that Eddie Murphy was going to win for Dreamgirls, and uh, Alan Arkin, who had the Best Picture nomination behind him, won for Little Miss Sunshine instead. You used to be an actress, uh, Sasha, and I never saw you perform in any plays. But if I were to paint yes on your one palm and no on the other and have you ask to do a role like that, I bet you'd be pretty good at it. <laughs> I know. Well, I know. I mean, if he won, he would win because he's Max von Sydow. And, and obviously right. they like the movie a lot more than, you know, I mean, yeah. if they gave it a Best Picture nomination, unless they were doing strategic voting, which we'll never be able to prove. Right. Um, they liked that movie enough to give him a, a, give it a best picture. That's that's a pretty big deal, you know. That means that yeah. people in, in all the branches voted for it. Hey, guess what? I just looked. Uh, I, I asked Dylan, who's doing some work for me. I asked him to paste all the Oscar nominees into an Oscar balloon. And he did. And I just realized that under Best Supporting Actress, we have Octavius, Octavia Spencer listed twice. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, I have Berenice Bejo. Jessica Chastain, Melissa McCarthy, Octavia Spencer, and somebody's missing. I don't know who it is. Um, read the Berenice, Be Berenice, Jessica Chastain, Melissa McCarthy, Octavia Spencer. Somebody else is in there. And who's the other one? Um, oh, hang on a sec. I'll tell you in just a minute. Um, yeah, I got to go in 10 minutes, actually, because I have to go meet somebody at, for a, a little walk we're going to take. Um, Great. Let's see. Always good to take a walk. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, so let, real oh, quick. Hang quickly. on, hang on. I'm checking for you really fast here. All right. Uh, you're looking for Janet McTeer, Albert Knox. Oh, there we go. All mm -hmm. right. I'll fix that. Okay. I see it. Yeah. Okay. And by the way, um, I, I offered because I lost, uh, we lost Paramount at the last minute for, for uh, phase two. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, I'll do a, a good thing for Damien this year. I thought I would offer him uh, a shot at uh, just throwing some ads up, you know, just because I like his performance so much. Yeah. And uh, they, I heard back from the 42 West reps, uh, we can't put the ads together quickly enough. Uh, and we've, we've missed the window of opportunity. Well, when, when is the deadline? The February the 20th or 19th or something? When is it? That's strange. Who, who said that? Well, a couple of 42 West people working with him. 42 West, interesting. Of course, that's not true. That they're just saying that. So I no, so the he, ballots have like two more weeks outstanding. Why don't Why don't uh, if you do get those ads, will you send them to me? Because I'd like to put them up too. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I said I, I wrote. I uh, Damien called this morning because we were supposed to do a phone, and I asked if we could because he, he he's uh, at the airport, and I said he said I'm going to the nominees luncheon. I said, well, can we try it this afternoon? Because I'd like to talk to you. And I said, I, I told him what was going on. He said, really? They, they said they can't do it? So you know what I did? I called Dylan, 
my art grad graduate's uh, uh, son, and he's going to whip some ads up together. Oh, awesome. Will you send them to me, too? I'll happily put them yeah. up. And I'll, put them, I'll send them your way, and I'm going to put them up in the hell with it, you know? Great. I mean, honestly, when you talk to some people, oh, no, we can't afford We can't do it. There's no time. You know, it's just the world they live in. It's really, you know... Yeah, I don't really? know. I don't know who's making those decisions, but I would absolutely love to run ads for him. I think yeah. he's great, and I, I actually am one of the few people that think he has a chance of upsetting for Best Actor. And the reason is that he's he's the oddball in the group, and he's yeah. uh, he gives a really incredibly moving performance. Um, he's a very charismatic guy. He's really humble, and um, yeah. if the votes all split up in different ways, which they might, if Clooney yeah. draws enough juice from Dujardin, then little, uh, not little, but Damien Bashir could sneak in there and take that mm -hmm. prize. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> that would be great. I would totally love that. The whole award would be transformed if that were to happen. Yeah. It would just be a, uh, it would be a landmark year, and uh, in between Viola Davis winning and Damien Bashir, that would be a, that would almost make it, make it worth it. So. It really would for me. Um, that's the only, actually, Octavia Spencer and Viola Davis are the only two things I care about this year. Right. And, you know, they probably, given the fact that I care about them, that, that means they probably won't win, but <laughs> I hope that they do. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we should cut this kind of short and sure. we, can, we can pick it up again next week when, when we're ready to roll. What is going to happen next week? Are you going to, <clears throat> are you going to any films? Or are you going to go back into your mode of not going to anything? No, I'll probably go see. <laughs> ha ha ha! Very funny, very funny. Ha ha ha! No, <laughs> I will. Um, you know, I'll go see them. The only, um, the only kind of interesting awards thing coming up is the Eddie. Well, there's the BAFTAs, which who cares? The artist is going to win everything there, so how boring. Yeah. Um, when is that? That's. I think it's next weekend. Okay. And then, and then there's the. Uh, Eddies, the Ace Eddies, and the Ace Eddie can sometimes predict if there's going to be any disruption in Best Picture. Um, sometimes, not often, but you know, of course, it went Social Network's way last year. It didn't mean anything, but um, this year, if it goes to the artist, it goes to the artist, fine. But if it goes to, uh, well, actually, never mind. Scratch that. I'll have to cut that out. I think the artist is in a different. I think it's in the musical co comedy category. And then there's the drama category. So it probably won't tell us much of anything at all. So forget all right. it. Just scratch all that. <laughs> I'll cut that out. But basically, it's sort of a... If you have any advocating you want to do, if you have any sort of disrupting thing you want to do, not necessarily to dis... But now's the time. Right now is the, is the time where people actually have their ballots and they're going to start filling them out if they haven't already. Yeah. So right. there's right. like a, this next week is, is the hottest time for, for advocating. What so. sizes do you take, Sasha? Do you take 160 by 600? Yep, I take that. Do you, and I see you take the, the, the boxier sizes also. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I'll send you what Dylan does. I mean, That's I've great. Got, I, I do 160 by 120s, 160 by 600, 728 by 90s, and 468 by 60s. Yeah, so. anything you send me, I can find a place for it. So. Okay. All right. And All I, right, and dude. But let's say let's say goodbye. But I wanted to tell you one thing. Real quick. Okay, so we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to episode sixty-seven of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We'll be back next week with Phil Contrino, and um, the bumper music was "Wait" by The Kills.
and Who Cares by Maggie Roche. Uh, thanks for listening. I like to watch TV and listen to the news and hear what everybody is saying. There's a lot of talk about God and peace and safety and war and fear and there goes a girl in a bikini. This guy is saying that guy's an idiot and she's on the right and he's on the left and everybody's screaming and yelling at each other and calling each other jerks. It's a party. Who cares where the truth lies? Who cares where the truth lies? Guys dressed up in suits and ties looking you straight in the eye telling lies but I really wish I knew what they were talking about. Meanwhile, human beings are being strung up on bridges and little kids are getting their legs blown off and young soldiers are coming home no more. And if you live in New York City, keep your eye on the sky, afraid to take a subway ride, wondering about the next time, the next time. Who cares? Who cares? So I look inside my own angry heart, the violent world of my misdeeds and my mistakes. My old messy heartbreaks and fantastic fakes The good intentions paved in gold Another war story gets told I like to watch TV, listen to the news Hear what everybody is saying I think that I'm a dove, but maybe I'm a hawk and Someday I will fly away